This episode is brought to you by Blueprint Renovate Program, the program designed to create space in your firm to cultivate mindset change through what you do every day. Visit blueprinthq.com.au slash contact to start the conversation. Welcome to Conversations with Sam Dean. I'm Sam Dean and I'm excited to have you here to explore the conversations that accountants and advisors can have with their clients to cultivate business mastery. All the notes and links for the show can be found at blueprinthq.com.au slash podcast. Let's start a conversation. Hello and welcome back to Conversations with Sam Dean. Today, I'm super excited to kick off a series based around what we call the Renovate Program, which is all about helping create space in our firms and getting a super efficient at what we do every day. What I'm going to talk about over the next four sessions is all around the job processes for end-of-year work. Our end-of-year work and BAS work still takes up about 85% of our work, and so it's in this area that we get super focused on to try to start shifting the mindset around what we do every day and also make it more efficient so we can create the space so we can implement any changes and set up our our firms for success. And it also helps us really start to shift the mindset to what our clients need more. So the first stage of it is around setting up success for the job and for our clients. So we do this and the purpose of this stage is actually to set the job up for success from a planning perspective in two folds, from actually looking at how we can actually make the job um, more efficient and then also how we can get all the client information in and ensure that we have everything that we can actually start the job. And also in this stage, we really start looking at implementing a planning mindset. Now, the planning mindset is one of our key elements into moving to the more proactive mindset that we require going forward. And I, it's such a, a big element of, of this in that we're expected to go later on and plan for our clients around budgeting or even tax planning and everything, but we really haven't developed the muscle, if you like, for planning. So how we do that is that we started with what you do every day and started with the jobs. So I'm going to talk more about the planning mindset. And the next stage is actually sort of some of the more pragmatic tools that we use at the budget itself and then the information gather for the um, actual client's information. So the steps we're going to go through is the job pre-planning, where we start actually resourcing and planning and setting the job up for success. And the second stage of it is getting all the client information in. And then the last stage is making sure that the job doesn't then go forward into the next stage until all of the information is in both from a client perspective and also from a job efficiency perspective as well. So let's start off with the planning mindset. And it is really the key to making your compliance work much more efficient. So why should we actually establish the planning mindset? The planning mindset effectively helps us decide in advance what, how and when we want to actually do something and who then will be responsible to it. It helps us determine a course of action uh, that we can achieve the desired results, bringing the gap from where we are to where we want to be. Quite often when we look at jobs, we kind of just start them without any kind of idea where we want to actually get to them. We know we want to get to the end, and obviously that's completed tax returns, but we kind of just start and finish with no planning. 
So here are the simple steps in planning. One, we need to actually clarify what you want the final results to look like. Two, establish how it's actually to be done. So break it down into steps if applicable. Three, establish who's going to do it and complete the step. Four, establish dates, so when it's going to be done. And five, communicate the what, who, how, and when to everybody involved. So this is when we're actually going to actually implement this, if you like. We're going to actually use a budgeting tool to do that and to take those steps through. So why do we actually need planning and how is it going to help us? Well, the biggest contributor to write-off is actually lack of planning. So let's think about this for a minute. If you look at the biggest causes that we think are, it's usually when I interview people about what causes write-off, it's underquoting, pick up and put down within the jobs, like quite a few. We know that that's one of the biggest contributors. Clients not actually getting back to us on queries. And if we got two or three stages of queries, obviously that adds a lot of time and the pick up and put down gets worse. And then we've got the wrong people actually doing the job. So the wrong charge out rates doing the jobs. You've got high level people doing, you know, what was more production style of works. So they're the four main reasons as to why we have write-off. And all of those are contributed to planning. So that's why, first of all, it's good to get into a planning mindset and then how we're actually going to get that planning mindset implemented, if you like. The three key elements to planning in the first stage, and that those are preparation and the mindset behind budgets, and then actually client information, checklists, and then the system around to make sure that we have all the known client information in. And lastly is what we call a preparation meeting or a budget meeting where we actually set the job up for success. So I'll go through those three elements right now. So let's first of all look at budgets. I want you to really remember though before I go through what makes a great budget is a budget's unastatic tool. So it's not just basically saying, okay, I want this job should the client's willing to pay $5,000. So that's the budget and that's what we're going to head for. We use that to really make sure that we're thinking about how we're going to improve the job and the logics and the steps behind the job. So we use this tool to make sure that those five steps that we were thinking about earlier actually come through. So what are the key elements to a great budget? First of all, it must be achievable. So if a budget is not achievable, no one's going to even look at it or use it. It must link the explanation to how you got the budget back to what the actual budget is. So if people you know how you got it in logic, they can then work for it. It's not just based on what we need or what the client will pay. It needs to have clear steps and milestones in it, and it needs an explanation of how you can achieve this. And there's two elements to every budget that we will look at. One is the revenue and target budget. So that is what the client is willing to pay or what we've quoted for the budget. So it's very revenue-based. And the second element is the performance budget. And it's this budget that the staff can actually control. Because obviously, if there's some kind of reason that the job, you know, could be part of a program or it could be just what you've always charged them. And in the last three or four years, the, you know, there's always been write-off and you don't have any control over that budget. Well, then that's the revenue budget. But the performance budget might be, well, we know we can't get to that, but this is what we expect you to do it in 
whether it be 10 hours or whatever that is. And we work to that budget to see how we can get more efficiencies. So again, I just want to reiterate that there's two types of budgets. One is the revenue budget, which is, should always be included. And the second one is the performance budget, which is what we expect to. And obviously in an ideal world, we won't always want the revenue budget to be higher than the performance budget. And the performance budget might actually be an hourly budget as opposed to a dollar budget. So how do we then look at efficiency gains when setting the budget? So as I said previously, the budget and the thought process around it using the planning mindset will be how can we make it better than last year? So we don't just set it on what we expect to get and what happened last year. So if the last year the budget was done in 10 hours, what should be going through your mind should, well, how can we do it in eight? So we look for efficiency gains. So some of the gains that you could look for is reviewing last year's whip and looking at how many pick up and put downs and why these were happening and set some actions to prevent them happening again. One of the biggest put downs, pick up and put downs, we'll deal with later when we're talking about the client information in that we actually start a job and get to so far, but we haven't actually got all the nine information. We're going to get rid of that. But then there could be pick up and put downs that the client might have gone away for six weeks in the middle of the job. So then you need to check in to see when they're actually away and maybe not start the job till after that. It could be that the data was super messy and always has been. So maybe before we even start the job, we should actually engage the client in a data cleanup because that's not really what end of year jobs is about. Could be that the wrong employee last year had the wrong charge out rate. So could I get someone to actually, someone else to help with me do this? Could be that the, there's a lot of pick up and put down because you're waiting on information from external sources. So again, don't start the job before those external sources are actually in. There's many things here, but the idea is to look at the budget and say, well, don't just accept in the hours that was done last year. Say, how can I make it better? And how can I actually educate myself on how you're getting better? So the next key steps in a great budget is clear milestones and targets. So we know that approximately 65% of the job and the budget of the job is in the production process. And if you look across to the PDF, if you have it in front of you, the job workflow, you know, getting right up to financial statements before we get sort of the strategy stuff, about 65% of the work is done up to that point. Really good firms who are super efficient usually budget about 6 to 10% of the time into the first stage of the job, which is around actually budgeting and setting the job up for success. So that if you spend more time at the beginning of the job, you will get better, obviously, results during the job as well. The next element to the planning process is the client information gather. There's two stages to this. The first one is to initially go through last year's data and use some kind of client checklist to then make sure that all the information that they had last year that they needed to prepare the end of year work is actually in. And the second stage of this, we'll drill on a little bit more in the pre-brief meeting in step three, is to actually make sure that we have all the information from the partners or the main client relationships people in the job as well. So to actually go through and review whatever your document management filing systems is, any tax planning notes, so that you're all over it before you start the job and that you have had that memory, you know, dump from the partners so that, you know, if there's something that's missing and is crucial that may not have been in the previous years. But the first one's quite simple and start with an information gather checklist. And I am not talking about 
these long involved three or four pages standardized things. They've, those ones are very good for when you're looking at new clients and you want to actually know if you've got everything. But we have to standardize our lists and personalize them to the client themselves. And we can actually, if we spend the time going through it and making sure that all the information's in before we start the job, then actually requesting what's missing from the client before we actually start the job, it is crucial. When we get further on and in the second year and the second stage of this, these checklists and lists will actually be prepared at the end of the job. So they're ready to go at the beginning of the job, which actually makes it a lot more, uh, a lot easier, obviously, to control. However, when we're starting out, it's you've got to do it at the beginning. So again, I just want to reiterate why you would use a standard checklist. That checklist has to be individualized for the client. And where there's missing and information gaps, that's when we start the client communication out to it, which is a really key point in the process. So you could send it out to say, hey, client, got your data in. Thank you very much for it. We are missing one, two, three, four, five, six things. Can you please get back to us by the end of next week? Once we know that we have all the information in, we will then start your job. So see, we're then starting the communication and building the client expectation around as well. So what I have seen happen and what traditionally happens, and I know I've I've been guilty of this myself, particularly back in the days of floppy disks, is that the client information will be dropped off and then there will be a reasonable gap before anyone grabs the data and then there's a problem with the data. So then we start communicating with the client then. So, but in the more proactive, it's like an immediate thing that perhaps administration or if you've got some systems, you can actually then email or say to the client, thank you very much. We've got your stuff. We're going to have a review over the next two days. We're going to send an email out if anything's missing. And if something's not missing, we're going to send an email out with the date that we're going to start to schedule it. So that's how we use client checklists. And as I said, the key to these is they're individual to the client. They're an internal document that you use to get the list that's outstanding to the clients ready and you send that out. So the key thing, the number one thing that we know for sure, that if you have at least 95 or most of the information in, known information in to start the job, that will significantly decrease uh, pickup and turn um, pickup put downs and obviously then significantly impact turnaround time. So I just want to drill down a little bit on that term of turnaround time. We work in two stages. So turnaround time in this first step, which is from when we get initial client information in to when we actually have the job start ready. The second turnaround time is when the job gets started in step two to when the job gets invoiced in step three. So there's two turnaround times because if you have them as one turnaround time across the whole, you don't necessarily have control over the client, particularly in that initial information gather. So they're the two turnaround times that we're talking about here when we work through. The third step in this process, and this meeting can either take, usually takes place after the initial client gather and the draft budget's been done, and it's what we call the pre-brief meeting. Obviously, you can have your own names for that. And this is a meeting that really the team, so the accountant that's going to be responsible, the client service administrator who's going to actually help run the jobs and be the client point of contact to get the information in if you have that position, and then the partner involved as well. So this is where you really drill down and have a conversation. It doesn't need to be a long conversation, sort of 
depending on the size of the job, it can go anywhere from sort of three minutes up to 15 minutes, depending on how big the job. And it also obviously depends on how much information there is that may or may not be in the partner's head. Obviously, ideally, you've got documented notes through your document management system that has already been incorporated into getting this job ready and the client information ready to go before you start the job. But, you know, quite often we're all human. There's been meetings that may not have been documented, but that do affect end of year. So it's important to just take a little bit of time here to dump any of that down. And then it's also, this is where you sort of look at the job as a group and say, okay, how can we make this more efficient? And what's more important too is how can we schedule it? So then you have the resource planning. So you're looking at the budget and you see the stages and who's involved. And then you might say, oh, well, the partner's actually away for six weeks. So they won't actually be able to review it. So then you shouldn't actually start the job until two or three weeks out before that, because there's going to be a very big pick up and put down time there. And the reason we're trying to get rid of pick up and put down times, obviously, is so you don't have to completely refresh yourself on that. The other thing is is also that we're just double checking that all known information for the client is again. I know I keep repeating that, but I can't tell you the importance of it. And then looking at any efficiencies. Okay, is there anything else that we can do to make this job more efficient? So the accountant's already noted what they think might need to be done, see if there's any additional resourcing or there's an element of data cleaning. They might have already highlighted that perhaps there's something in there that is out of scope, so it might need to be discussed with the client as an additional job that can be done. An example of this is if they've noticed in the last couple of years they've had to do a lot of payroll reconciliation, but the engagement really is around end of year. This is a time to maybe have a conversation about the client and see if you can get either them to fix it up before you start the job or, um, quote, to actually fix it up yourself outside the job. That always, um, you know, obviously is a very important mindset we want to get in there as well. So that's the pre-job pre-brief. And it does take that, as I said before, the more time you can spend budgeting and actually, sorry, planning and setting the job up for success, the more successful this step is going to be. Okay, so they're the steps and stages and some of the tools that get used in this process. There's another couple of concepts that we need to go through as well. The first one is actually the the effective workflow management. So it's in this holding pattern once the job's finished that because we've done the budgets and we know that the hours that is needed, we can then look at what resources that are actually available. And also now because we know that if we have all the client information in the turnaround job in the next processing stage should be faster with only one or two gap maybe for, for sort of small client queries, it's really important that we have some effective workflow management here. We're not releasing jobs out into the teams or to the accountant until they have the appropriate amount of jobs open. One of the biggest blocks that happens to turnaround time and write-off is just having far too many jobs open. One of the main reasons for that is we start jobs before we can finish them. So we, we start them before we've got all the information in to finish them. And the idea of the process that we just went through is that stops. Most of the time we have all known information in before it's released. And because of that, we can now stick to the more best practice, if you like, of only having you know three to five jobs open. So if people have more than that open, then the, the role of the CSA or the workflow manager person by CSA, I mean client service manager, 
or uh, client service administrator is to not let any jobs go when there are too many other jobs open. Those The accountants, which will work on stage two, need to get the jobs finished before they can actually have another job to start. And we know that that speeds things up anyhow. And as I just indicated, the roles in this first stage are administration function, and they're the ones who can administration have a lot more time and a lot more skills, if you like, to continually follow up the clients to make sure that the information's in. If those checklists and everything are fixed, they know you know what sort of information that they need and they can continually follow up the clients to make sure it. They also don't have a vested interest in the job production itself. So when they're actually allocating jobs, it's on what the plan is as opposed to and what's actually available as opposed to, you know, which might be the better job to do or this client is bugging me or whatever it is. So they don't have a vested interest in the in the workflow, if you like, and they can control the workflow management better. It's also, particularly in this day and age when resourcing, we want accountants doing accounting. This is very much an administration function in the first. So why the accountants are involved in the planning process, this step one is very much controlled by an administration function. The one other thing for this section is obviously to start thinking about what numbers and how we're actually measuring this, particularly around workflow. We tend to measure right at the end of the job based on usually just right off from productivity to very much lag indicators, if you like. The closer one, obviously, that we, we should be able to start measuring is turnaround time. As I mentioned, there's two types of turnaround time, and this one is information into job start and then the, the next step is you know job start to invoice um, and job completion so they're really good things to measure it's still a bit of a lag but it's not as lag as productivity and right off we can control it better on the way through than we can those other two and but you know there's other things you might think of about and that's how many jobs are open or how long is it taking us to actually get the client information in the ultimate goal here would be is to actually get client information in, get the client to gather information in way before we are actually triggering that. So we're actually starting the job by asking the client for the information, sending out their predetermined checklists to them, and then we're controlling when the actual client comes in. But the first stage is obviously we're at a stage we're not nearly there yet. We're making sure that we have all the client information in at this stage. And then we're setting the job up success. So we have all the client information in. We know how to execute it. We know we have the resources ready to go with it. And we're so we're ready for the next stage, which is job processing. I want to leave off this session with a few tips and tricks and challenges that you may come across as you kind of explore this within your firm. Or even if you're an employee, just approach the next couple of jobs When you get a job, start with thinking, do I have all the information in? Do I have everything that I know I need to have before I start this job? And the second element of it is, how did it go last year? How long did it take? Who did it and when? And how can I possibly make that better? And what's a few little things that I could do to make it faster? If you just even simply ask you those two questions, even before you get into a more formal routine that I outlined in the earlier part of the podcast, you will improve your daily uh, job production. Some of the challenges you will have is obviously I don't, I need to start the job, I don't have any work. So I know that I've only got the zero file, but I don't have anything else. I'm just going to go and 
um, produce it. I see this also happening a lot when there's outsourcers involved. But we've got to keep them busy. We've got to keep our graduate busy or our outsourcers busy. But we know that you might they might go and spend two or three hours and there's so much missing then it takes all that time to get back. They've got to go and spend another hour or two when they pick the job up again, you know, later on. So you're kind of doubling your time before you even start the job. So please take my word for this now. It is much better to actually sit and maybe do something else or, or do planning or write some processes and stuff than just start a job for the sake of starting a job because it's pick up and put down that's the problem. Another tip and trick here is to... Hang tight. You do need to spend that time at the beginning of the job planning. It's all in the planning because then you can actually foresee any problems and get them out of the way before you even start. And remember, the checklists and the budgets aren't static documents. It's the thought processes that go around them that's super important. It's the mindset and the attitude that we need to change with them in setting the job success up. So don't just fill them out like a form. Actually. Think about what what you're doing and the thought processes that's actually going into them. So this is the first one of the stages in our Renovate program and I think one of the key stages, particularly around the, the planning. It's here where we start actually shifting some of the mindsets around so we can start getting ready to have more curious conversations with our clients later on about other things, to start asking them questions about, oh, where do you want to be? as we are asking ourselves questions on where we want to be with these jobs, it's the same sort of mindset. So we get a little bit more comfortable in the proactive planning mindset in this section. And we here at Blueprint HQ, you know, this is one of our biggest goals. So if you guys want to have a conversation about this with us or have a chat, jump on the website and please book a meeting, one of our half-hour meetings we would love to have a chat with you about this and see if we can either we can help you or give you any further tips or tricks, particularly around this crucial element. So in the next episode, we're going to get on to processing where we're looking at the stages of the preparation of the financial statements and tax returns. And we're also going to look at some reviewing stages in that. I'm going to sort of throw the cat among the pigeons in this section. I think that the next stage is super important going forward for us and how we actually look at the production or financial statements, how we actually bring the magic of what we do um, in the tax strategies that we um, work through, and then also how we can develop the reviewing stages so that other people might be able to do them too. So I think you'll find it super interesting. Talk to you next week. Remember, continue the conversation and be brave. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. To check out more information on all things Sandine and Blueprint, go to the website blueprinthq.com.au and remember, continue the conversation and be brave. See you next time.